Hello, everyone. This is Ryan McCormick, host and executive producer of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. I want to welcome many of you who are joining us for the very first time tonight. Our show is the world's only program about forensic soul analysis. We combine science and mysticism, and the following program you're about to listen to is a forensic soul analysis on Jesus Christ. It's a program that we aired about two years ago. It has been remastered. We've added some interviews to it. It is not Kirk Cameron's version of Jesus Christ, the judgmental, bake sale, your wife's got to listen to everything you have to say version. This is a version of Jesus that is open to all. It's fun. It's unique. I don't think there's ever been anything done like it before. And we welcome you to the program. Let us begin. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we are going to present a metaphysical and soul analysis on Jesus Christ and his teachings. Jesus is one of the most beloved figures in the history of humanity. His teachings of love and peace and universal acceptance for all seem to transcend time and various belief patterns. And we feel that this idea that you need to feel shame, that you need to be unworthy, that you need to go through another human being in order to attain Christ's love and his peace and his acceptance and his energy is a bunch of bullshit. And we are so honored to have so many great teachers tonight on our program to present a perspective on Jesus beyond the scope of organized religion. So without further ado, the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show proudly presents a forensic soul analysis on Jesus Christ. Joining us now is Jesus Christ. Well, not quite. We are with Mr. Alex Sulkin, who plays Jesus Christ on the number one animated series in the history of all time, which is Family Guy. Mr. Sulkin. <laughs> well, the Simpsons, yeah. the Simpsons might argue with you. They there, might but, argue yeah, with us, I... but <laughs> Simpsons who? Family Guy. <laughs> Mr. Sulkin. Uh, Okay. Yes, thank you. Thank you for thank you for having me. My pleasure. Alec, on the show Family Guy, Jesus is a regular character and the sh- the way you guys present him, it seems to be a, an all-encompassing character. He seems to be universally open to all people. How is Jesus portrayed in Family Guy in comparison to what people's belief patterns are on the show? Do you have some people that are on the show that are Catholic that um and how does it influence uh, how fa- Jesus is portrayed? Uh, yes, we do um, have uh, some Catholic writers. You know, we have, I think, writers of of most denominations on the show. And um, I think that the portrayal of Jesus is we just try to make him like a very normal guy. Um, and you'll you'll notice that if you happen to watch The Family Guy where I'm, I'm portraying Jesus, you'll hear that. His voice is exactly the voice I'm doing now. It's the easiest voiceover I, I I get to do because I don't I don't have to change a thing. So, um, but yeah, we we make him like a normal guy, and I think that's part of what makes it funny. Is like we don't, you know, there aren't sort of glowing lights emanating from uh, from a halo around his head. He doesn't hover above us. He doesn't 
you know, uh, walk on water unless it's kind of part of a, a, a funny joke, which they actually did do in one of the episodes. But it's, you know, he's, he's more like a normal guy and becomes sort of like a buddy to Peter. Well, the, you've had some episodes where he's playing golf and he utilizes his divine power to hit uh, balls in the hole, and that, that's pretty funny. And we, yeah, well, who, who, wouldn't do, who wouldn't do that if they could? Yeah. When you're presenting Jesus in this way and you're presenting him as a regular guy, do you think or do you feel that maybe that is a side of Jesus that it's not really often presented, maybe it should be presented a little bit more, that the Jesus that, that is presented in our religion you may have to go through a certain number of things in order to attain this uh, divine light, this divine happiness. Whereas the family, the Jesus you present a family guy seems to be someone who's very approachable. And just asking a personal question is that what kind of Jesus do you feel probably existed? Yeah, well, you know, listen, I, my, my uh, opinion of it is I think it's, it's closer to the family guy version than, than uh, everyone might assume. Uh, I feel like, you know, Jesus in the in the best version of himself is obviously all those, you know, wonderful lessons that he imparted about, you know, being nice to everybody basically and accepting everyone and turning the other cheek. But I do feel like probably when he existed, he was just like a normal guy. You know, not every he wasn't he didn't become the Jesus Christ that 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 everyone makes such a big deal about now until you know, centuries later, um, I feel like when he was kind of walking the earth, he was just a guy with a message, and the message happened to be positive, and it, it, it happened to be a little bit different from the message that was out there at the time. And last question is, Alex, do you feel that because of your portrayal of Jesus, the way he is and the way family God portrays him, that he actually could be drawing more people to have more of a curiosity to who Jesus was, because you have a lot of people that are across the country that are saying, well, look, you know, I've got to preach the word of Jesus, and I've got to go to all these different towns and talk about Jesus, and you guys have a national show, and meanwhile, you're presenting one side of Jesus where they don't have to leave. They can sit down. They can laugh. you feel that maybe you guys are right. responsible in some way, shape, or form for actually pulling people or drawing people to learn more about who Jesus is based on your portrayal? You know, I think that, I, I think that would be great, and, and I'll, I'll, I hope that that's the case, that what you just uh, suggested is true, and I and I actually believe that it could be, and I'll I'll tell you why I think that with a personal story that I think that that could be the case. When I was a youngster, uh, obviously our cartoons were uh, Bugs Bunny, Looney Tunes. So I learned um, it, it's when I when I was uh, in third grade. I, my mother thought it was important that I go to a very fancy private school. So this fancy private school had an interview with me as a third grader, you know, a nine-year-old. I'm sitting there in a coat and tie having an interview. And uh, the man interviewing me behind his desk, there was a painting of uh, William Shakespeare behind him on the wall. So he said to me, Alex, do you know who this is a painting of behind me? And I said, yes, that's William Shakespeare. And my mother was in the room, and I could see her, like, you know, beaming with with pride. Like, oh, my God, her nine-year-old son can recognize William Shakespeare. And the guy said, that's absolutely right. How do you know that? And I said, from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> and so my mom, you know, her, her, face, 
her face just fell after that. But I mean, it's, it was true that, you know, I became curious and aware of William Shakespeare through Bugs Bunny. So yes, I believe that it is entirely possible that there are 10 year old kids out there watching Family Guy and saying, oh, well, this is how they're, this is this Jesus guy that I keep hearing about. Like maybe, you know, maybe this is what, what he was like a little bit. And maybe I'll, I'll learn a little bit more about him, but, but keep this family guy portrayal in mind, you know? So I, I do think that it's possible that we might be shaping some people's opinions about Jesus, which I think would be terrific. Yeah, I think it would be too. I mean, you actually, you present Jesus in a, in a very positive way. And another thing I want to, uh, commend you, and I want to commend uh, everyone else on your show for is that whether it's a portrayal of Jesus, whether it's a portrayal of other religious figures, you may do some uh, humor that's considered edgy, but you always are respectful. You guys really come down to the respect, and uh, I commend you for that. Oh well, thank you. Yes, I think that that's definitely you know at the, at the heart of uh, of what we're trying to do, and as you, as we have said. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you said uh, on, a, on a previous interview, you know, we, we're equal opportunity offenders. So, <laughs> you know, if one if one person gets it, everybody's getting it. Mr. Alex Sulkin, writer for Family Guy, who also plays Jesus on Family Guy. We can learn more about him by going to his Twitter handle, handle, handle at the Sulk, S-U-L-K. At the, at the Sulk, that's correct. Thank you so much, Alex. No problem. Thank okay. you, Ryan. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Joining us now is Dr. Jill Ammon-Wexler, a brain researcher, brainwave specialist researcher for over 45 years. You can learn more about her by going to her website at hotbrains.com, B-R-A-I-N-Z.com, or quantumleapaudios.com. Ms. Wexler, thank you so much for being with us today. And what can you tell us about Jesus Christ on the brainwave level frequency? Well, that's a really, really exciting question because I, I really am not aware of anyone else that has really addressed that question. And um, I think that the best way to approach this would be to take a, a careful look at what the, what the brain is, what brainwave frequency means, and level of vibration, how it all ties together because people like Jesus, Buddha, a few other religious leaders definitely had a full deck of cards. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. They they were obviously operating differently and had a, a different look than all the people that were around them at this time. So, uh, what made Well, the you... funny thing is they were operating differently, and yet they were operating in a very similar manner because the brain structure – that is basically, a, it's a physical structure that is designed to operate in a way. But in terms of how well it operates, it's like comparing a, a Porsche to a 30-year-old Chevy. You know, they both operate, but boy, oh, boy, is there a difference. <laughs> mega, mega, mega difference. So I, I'd like you know, talk about level of vibration you know what made people like jesus and buddha and, and other religious leaders and and even philosophical leaders so darn different and you know what it comes down to it comes down to their level of vibration now you might wonder immediately well what do you mean level of vibration 
a lot of people, although they are aware that science is telling us things about vibration, they don't really get it. Now, science today has absolute evidence that everything, I mean everything right down to rocks, is basically composed of molecules and subatomic particles that are basically energy in motion. And that motion is vibratory motion. Anything in motion sets up a vibration. I mean, think about it like this. Have you ever thrown a, a pebble in a pond and you noticed how it ripples out? They speak and those ripples are levels of vibration in the water that was created by that event, which is a pebble was dropped into the water and then rings of vibratory energy move outward. That's the basic rule of life. That's what's happening around here. So the brain of Jesus, the brain of, the brain of any really masterful being is operating on a different level of vibration than normal beings. Certainly a different level of vibration than a rock, certainly a different level of vibration than a fellow living on the street and is so stressed he doesn't know where his next nickel's coming from, and certainly even a, a different level of vibration that uh, a brilliant engineer would have. Um, so we're, we're really, we're talking about physical reality here. The brain might be the same, but the level that it's operating on is way different. Do you follow me? Yes, and also, as far as the vibrational frequency, is there a max to how high a spiritual being, a being can be vibrating and yet sustain the um, stability of a physical body? Can a spirit be vibrating too high and, and be able to not function in the spiritual body? In a well, physical boy, body? that's that is a really that's a really interesting question, and I think that we'll get to that as we we, we travel through the, the conversation today, because for sure there are things that vibrate at such a high level that they are quote invisible unquote to us, and the reason for that is that our visual system has been designed by nature to see within a certain level of frequency, and it does not see. Uh, example, to the left, there are frequencies we don't see, they're too slow. To the right, there are frequencies that are too fast. We don't perceive them, but it's still there. It still happens. For example, if you look at the wall in front of you, chances are it looks solid, doesn't it? And chances are you don't foresee that you could put your hand through that wall because you mentally see that wall as a solid mass. And to you, it is vibrating so slowly, it is solid. Just as your body, when you look at your body, if you are an ordinary being, it looks pretty darn solid, doesn't it? But if you had the ability to relax your vision, step back and allow yourself to really see your body, you would see it is a collection of cells vibrate at a high intensity, and there is a level of energy that is radiating outward, just like heat radiates out from the stove, and that's the aura. The body is a very alive, vibratory being, and the same was true of the body of Jesus 
same was true of the body of Buddha, except that their level of vibration of their thoughts was occurring on a higher level than most of us have managed to achieve. Now, on the other hand, we may, in a moment of insight, religious ecstasy, uh, perhaps an aha, reach that for a second. Bang. I mean, I've had a few seconds in my life where I had that transformational experience where everything, you can, you can virtually look through a wall. You can look through the ceiling and see the sky. You can look at your body and see it as energy and then bang, it's gone. Now, I would definitely expect that someone of the vibratory level of Jesus or Buddha probably lived in that, you know, area of expertise constantly. Okay. Is there any particular reason why they were vibrating at such a high frequency? Was this something that they came into the physical body with from a different reality or a different dimension? That's an interesting question. They probably had the capability. Did they have an experience? I mean, there are some that say that Jesus, for example, lived for years uh, in the East. Did he have experiences with yogis? Did We don't know that. We can't even foresee what could have made that man what he became. Buddha, on the other hand, was born a prince and uh, lived in a palace, left to become an ascetic, Baranir starved himself to death, and then finally came upon enlightenment. Now, how did that happen? All of a sudden, everything changed for him. Was it in a second? It could have been one of those aha moments where suddenly a flash of lightning seems to split your brain in half, and you see. You see reality in a different way. Um, could that happen to darn near anyone? Well, who can say? Who can say what the possibilities of a human being are? We basically have the same physical structure in our brain. Our brains basically follow the same rules that uh, Jesus' brain would have followed. That is, we have brain waves. They start at gamma and go down uh, into delta. In fact, I'll step through those. So I would have to say that most likely Jesus was capable of tapping into higher brain waves. Could he live there every moment of his life? Boy, uh, I would have to say no, and here's why I would say no. I am aware of and have worked with an amazing woman, Anandama, who is in a higher state of, of being. She, she just is. But she can barely care for her everyday needs. Her family lives with her. Uh, her guru had her marry a man that basically cares for her because she is so far out there She's, I swear she could walk on water. I was once touched by her with a peacock feather to my forehead. It catapulted me to the floor, bang, like a rock. She knocked me to the floor by touching my forehead with a peacock feather. Think about the energy of a person like that. So there are people on earth today that do have that energy. Do they manage it as well as Jesus managed it? He managed pretty well, didn't he? He was able to get through life, to have disciples, to teach, and to actually function quite well 
according to stories, in the world that he lived in. So I would imagine he had the capability of turning his higher states on and off. You know, like you look at the gamma, you look at those, those monks that are creating 40 cycle per second gamma, and they are in ecstasy. They are in higher states of being. You look at a normal person up there, and they are just stressed out. So they are not ready. Okay, then you look down at that, which is where we're at when we're thinking or talking. You know, it's like beta, lower beta is one thing, but higher beta, it's, it's where your brain is, is in full operation. That's our, primarily our waking consciousness. Below beta is alpha. Alpha brain waves, you have to relax down into them. If you don't know how to relax, you are not an alpha. Alpha is the brainwave of creativity and aha awakening. It's a wonderful place to be. Most people today touch in and out of it. Maybe they're falling asleep and they briefly touch it and then it's gone. And then next, below is what I call the Schumann frequency. It's in between alpha. It's the midpoint between your conscious mind and your unconscious awareness. And you know what's interesting? That 11.5 cycle per second frequency, most people can't create it. That is the same frequency that corresponds to the base brainwave frequency of the Earth, the energy that passes between the surface of the Earth and the ionosphere, 11.5 cycles per second. People who have that open, have that gate open, they tend to recall their dream, and they can access their deeper brainwave states, like I'm sure Jesus could, like I'm sure Buddha could, like Soigal Rinpoche could. And then below that is Theta. That's where we have our conscious dreaming self. And below that is Delta, which is basically the unconscious mind. However, people that have trained themselves to go down through the Schumann frequency, and I know many, go down through theta, they are still conscious at delta at about 3.6 to 3.8 alta. That's the frequency of ESP and healing. That's people that can heal themselves and other people, the touch of a hand, because they are down in that lower frequency. And amazing things happen down there. And yes, these things are trainable. Dr. Jill Ammon Wexler, thank you so much for that really great insight. Talking about you the know, it is my pleasure, and I'm so happy to have the opportunity to share it. And we can learn more about Dr. Jill Ammon Wexler by going to her website at hotbrainsbrainz.com or go to quantumleapaudios.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Jill. You bet. Joining us now. It's Mr. Peter Woodbury, MSW. He is with the Edgar Casey Foundation, and he is trained in hypnotherapy, past life regression techniques. He's worked with many of the great masters, and you can learn more about him by going to edgarcasey.org forward slash Peter Woodbury. Mr. Woodbury, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Studying Edgar Casey knowing so thoroughly about his perspectives, 
what were some of his thoughts and realizations about Jesus that we're not aware of? Well, um, you know, I was I was raised Catholic, and so I had kind of the the traditional uh, upbringing around uh, Jesus. You know, just the uh, you know his kind of being born to you know Mary and Joseph that were like two you know, simple people, and then him rising to be this kind of uh, transformative religious uh, figure. And uh, there was something about that that was a little bit made Jesus kind of distant, you know, like, you know, almost like um, how could we ever aspire to be anything close to that? Now, I found that uh, Casey's readings about Jesus really flesh out that story and and put it into a context, and I think it makes – for me, it made Jesus more acceptable. Now, um, some of the concepts, you know, kind of like from a traditional Christian perspective are almost blasphemous because, first of all, he talks about how Jesus had had other lifetimes, that he had had previous incarnations. And so, you know, that, that's already, uh, you know, it's a, another a different religious, you know, other religions talk about reincarnation, but certainly I wasn't raised with that uh, concept. But, um, his story, in essence, is that um, the first souls that came into the earth came in by curiosity, and uh, the physical dimension was very different than our you know, the soul's original origins in spirit. And there began to be kind of this uh, drift deeper and deeper into materiality, and this, almost like a forgetting of the spiritual origins. And souls began to act very non-spiritually with a lot of power and, um, you know, control and greed and, you know, all the things that kind of are the lower aspects of, of, uh, of humans. Um, and there were souls that had not incarnated that were observing this, uh, this descent. And it's basically uh, Jesus, the soul of Jesus was part of this soul group that decided to come in to try to help souls find their way out. And it's a little bit Jesus' teaching that, um, you know, if you, if you lose you have a hundred sheep and you lose one sheep, wouldn't the shepherd go after the lost sheep? And that's a bit the, the principle behind this involution that was steered by uh, Jesus into the earth. And then Casey tells this long story of these multiple incarnations where Jesus, in a way, set up kind of uh, spiritual uh, sites and teachings to help uh, people, souls, remember our spiritual origins. And uh, one of those lifetimes was Casey said that he was uh, involved with the uh, construction of the Great Pyramid. He actually said that he had been Hermes, the architect of the pyramid. And you know, Hermes. Okay, Hermes, Hermes, the Greek god. So Jesus was a, yeah. was a Greek god. Yes, also known as Mercury. And so it's like, you know, it's how could could there be an incarnation? Aren't you know, aren't the gods kind of mythical? Um, well, Casey says that early involutions were halfway, were not completely physical. So what we might have considered gods were souls that weren't quite completely immersed in the physical uh, dimension. So there were multiple lives. He said that uh, Casey had been uh, the high priest uh, Melchizedek, who is also you know, referenced in the Bible, as also not having uh, been uh, born, you know, that he was somehow also of divine uh, origins. And then he also said that um, Jesus had been Joshua. And, you know, Joshua was a, was a warrior. 
and uh, you know was a kind of zealot and killed in the name of uh, in the name of God. So multiple uh, lifetimes, and then Casey went and talks about what Jesus was doing in those supposed lost years between um, 12 and 30. Well, actually, I should go back and say that um, Casey said that there was a um, uh, a Jewish sect called the Essenes that is derived from the word expectant. And this Jewish sect uh, prepared for the uh, Messiah coming in. And so that Mary and Joseph, from Casey's perspective, weren't just two random people that happened to have this uh, you know, special child. They were part of this uh, sect that had been preparing and in some ways were chosen. And all of, all of these different stories from the Bible Many of them were involved with this uh, group called of, of the Essenes, which is a historical group. And um, so Jesus was not just uh, randomly from his birth; he was seen as being the Messiah, and he was taught accordingly. Like he was, this whole group was gathered around him and uh, teaching him and trying to you know, help him remember uh, you know, his divine purpose for being incarnate. It's a little bit like. The Buddha, you know, I mean, not the Buddha, I mean um, um, the Dalai Lama, who was kind of selected as a child as the leader of uh, Tibetan Buddhism. And it, to me, that was a little bit easier to understand how Jesus rose to his heights, having had his whole life like the, like, um, the right, Dalai Lama. And, yeah, a group kind of uh, around him, protecting him and teaching him. And then in those lost years, apparently, you know, at age 12, a Jewish boy has a bar mitzvah and is prepared for marriage. And that wasn't the plan for Jesus. So he was taken, and Casey says they went to uh, Egypt, uh, Persia, and India. And he had been, in other lifetimes, part of the religious movements of those places. And he apparently had been uh, Zend, who was the father of uh, Zoroaster, who was part of a Persian religion called Zoroastrianism, which apparently is very... Has, uh, there are elements to it that are uh, now incorporated into Christianity. And um, apparently, while in India, he uh, he learned how to meditate and would have been considered a yogi by Indian standards. And Casey said that it's referenced his meditative experience was referenced in the Bible, where the, the, the quote in the Bible is, I eat of the meat that you know not of. And that was in reference to his um, followers just wondering how come he didn't tire like they did. He didn't seem to need to eat. Like if they were walking, he could just go for hours and hours, and they would just, you know, they seemed to go off of some kind of energy so, that they didn't have. I just want to pause you right there because it brings up, a, as far as Jesus' life goes, did he have any divine capabilities of manipulating physical reality? To a much greater extent than anyone around him, was he able to, you know, really walk on water and change physical reality? Did he have something like that? And, yes. Okay. So he According wasn't good. Casey, he did. Okay. He, he, there, there's many references that Casey puts that are quite beautiful about Casey. I mean, about Jesus. But he said that Jesus showed what's uh, possible for any human who puts their full faith in God. So having his full faith be in God. Uh, that's where he could do these supposed uh, miracles. Okay. You know, a lot of it, a lot of his teachings also have to do with faith. You know, oftentimes, like um, 
when these miracles were dissected by Casey, you know, there was one time where he was going to, um, there was a little girl that had died, and he had to clear the room to resuscitate this girl because he said the other people present would have thought that would be impossible, which would have limited that miracle from happening. So he had to get them out of the space in order to create the, uh, you know, the, 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 the possibility of that happening. That's why when he was also among his people, you know, they knew him as a kid and they didn't have faith in him that he could do these things. And so that's why, you know, they say you can't be a, a prophet in your own town. So he, he did much greater miracles outside of uh, Nazareth than he, uh, uh, and he could have in Nazareth. Okay. I want to bring some that you had mentioned uh, what Edgar Casey said, that Jesus, outside of physical reality, is one of these spirits that observe many of these spirits on earth becoming too far distant from their origin, becoming too yeah. far immersed in materialism. Okay, so Jesus, he decides that he's going in the path of the physical reality. Does these lives that he lives, does his vibrational frequency drop or become lower because he strays on the path and any capability of becoming too immersed or um, maybe falling to some of the trials and tribulations that come with being um, a member of or being a living being within the flesh, that there are a lot no, of no, things. No, no, he got drawn into it also. Okay. I mean, Casey said it, it took him 33 lifetimes to, uh, to be able uh, to avoid the temptations, you know, to stay spiritually connected throughout a whole life. And, and even then, he couldn't have done it without uh, a group like the Essenes working with him behind, you know, as a child behind the scenes the whole time. See, I personally found that very liberating to realize, you know, that, that you and I have a much different challenge because we were born to parents that struggled, you know, they, you know that, that wasn't the environment that Jesus had growing up. You know, he had, he had, it was very uh, spiritualized from the beginning. So I found that made Jesus much more accessible, and also not we're not called to be Jesus. Like the, you know, as a Christian, you think, oh, I have to follow. You know, it's uh, it's it's something to emulate, but it's not. You know, we're not called to die on crosses, kind of the way that uh, well that he did. Before we go into the cross, so Jesus takes him 33 lifetimes, according to Casey, and he finally gets he gets the life right. What was the purpose of his life? What did his life ultimately do to enhance or benefit humanity? Well, Casey, uh, Casey said that, that before Jesus, and he says that you know the other great teachers were in the same line. They caused this uh, this Christ consciousness is basically the the awareness that our soul is one with God. So it, it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. It's just that the Christ consciousness term is a bit. Um, clunky because we associate that with Jesus. He says that that consciousness has been available to earth and to spiritual seekers since the beginning of involution into the earth. So Buddha and Lao Tzu and Confucius were also trying to teach that same uh, principle and trying to live that same principle. And, and Jesus rests on their shoulders, that they, they raised the consciousness enough so that he could come in and, uh, and, and lift it just a little bit uh, a little bit further than that, but he, um, in the other lifetimes, he had he had succumbed and experienced uh, the temptations that, that are part of Earth. You know, even in you know when Casey talks about his uh, his crucifixion, he says that that 
you know, it wasn't just, you know, he wasn't just showing the way for all of humanity. He himself had uh, erred, and he, you know. Was he, so was he selling a karmic debt? Was he? Was he? Um, yeah. Bringing, okay. Yeah, you could say it that way. But also, he said that Jesus healed wherever Joshua had killed. So where Jesus went around to these places and healed people, it was oftentimes the same places or the same souls that he had uh, he had killed as uh, as Joshua. So he was uh, mending his own uh, karmic trail. But his the purpose of his life was to show that. Casey said before Jesus, there was the, it was thought that almost that earth, there was no way to be in a physical body and stay God connected. And so that, that matrix was shattered uh, by Jesus. He showed that you can walk through a whole life and you can face tremendous trial and stay uh, God connected. And his, his, the purpose of his life was to show that there is no death, that you know that this, his story doesn't end. You know, like as a Catholic, I remember you you see Jesus dying on the cross all the time, but that's not the, the that's not the end of the story. It's the it's the resurrection. He he comes to show that there's there is no death. That that all you know this coming into Earth is just a it's a school. It's an experience. It's something to learn from and to uh, to the more we can stay spiritualized on Earth the sooner we learn the lessons of the earth and we can kind of return more fully to our spiritual origins. According to Catholicism, there is no such thing as reincarnation or mm-hmm. coming back. So when you said that by Jesus resurrecting, coming back and proving that, you know, we don't die and this is only a, a brief experience. Do you feel that by not incorporating reincarnation that it substantially diminishes or undermines that message that he was trying to relay? Well, I'm not a I'm not a great scholar of of Christian history, but I've been told that reincarnation used to be part of early Christian teachings and that somewhere it was considered that people might think, "Oh, you know, I can take this life off, I'll reincarnate, I'll, I'll I'll be a better person next life. And it was thought that it would make people lazy. And so the doctrine of reincarnation was taken out of Christian teachings, and it was more that you just have this one chance as a, as a thought that it would encourage people to take each life more seriously. So that, that, that's what I've uh, been told. I can't say I've researched that myself. And did Edgar Casey say anything about Jesus returning to Earth as another uh, human being in the physical um, since he passed, since uh, well, uh, what he what he did say is he said that um, you know with the he, he didn't just resurrect himself spiritually it was physically that he had you know there was a uh, a tension you know that that coming into the earth incarnating into the earth you can be the highest soul I mean you can be a bodhisattva but once you come back into a physical body. It's dense, and you're, you're you're far removed from your spiritual origins, and it's very easy to fall into old traps, old uh, situations. So the solution was that Jesus was going to take the body with him. That's what he spent the three days after the crucifixion. He spent that three days with other souls, you know, high souls, uh, raising the vibration of his physical body so that he could keep the body with him, and so that he can he can incarnate back in that body he can reappear in that body and he can withdraw it so according to casey 
you know, like when Jesus appeared to the disciples and ate fish, he was using that body that he's resurrected. And when he was first uh, spot, when he was first seen after his uh, after the crucifixion by Mary Magdalene, and she wanted to hug him, and he says, "No, no, don't touch me." Casey said that's because the the vibration of his physical body hadn't been balanced yet. If she had hugged him, she would it would have been like uh, hugging a uh, a live wire. She would have been electrocuted. So the vibration hadn't quite been balanced. But apparently, that's that's the body that he he could he can manifest. That's why many people report having seen him that he can come into the physical and partake of us and then withdraw back into the etheric. In Catholicism, they talk about Jesus died for the sins of humanity. According to Edgar Casey's teachings and views on Jesus, is there anything such as sin? And as you mentioned before, was sin or sins of the world any factor whatsoever in the meaning behind Jesus' dying? Well, well, uh, Casey defines sin as selfishness. So where, where there's where there's the thought of your own benefit at the detriment of somebody else, that's uh, that's sin, and, and it just means that it's it's non-spiritual reality, and that that creates the circumstance where that has to be met, and usually it's a lack of compassion. So whatever you're selfish towards, you're going to experience that. You'll draw it to you so that you grow in compassion and grow in learning. Now the whole thing of Jesus dying for first of all that the premise. Jesus didn't die. So to say that he died for anything is incorrect. I mean, he, he, he came to show a way, a path, and he came to teach us in a way that don't fear things. Like, like don't fear, uh, you know, don't fear death. And um, basically, uh, reap what you sow. I mean, if, you, if you've made an er- error, it's just going to come back to you and deal with it. There, but there's no, nothing that's ever going to separate you from your spiritual origin from God, meaning that you know, the, the whole purpose of incarnation is that we've kind of come into the earth and we've picked up these non-spiritual kind of uh, habits, which I call like little spiritual viruses, like a little grudge here, a little resentment here, a little judgment here, and that's what keeps the soul from uh, continuing its, you know, the multiple schools that are there. That keeps us kind of earthbound, and so as we incarnate. Our purpose is to try to let go of those grudges, resentments, selfish attitudes, those sorts of things. And his life was a way of just showing, you know, you don't have to react to people. If people can be mean to you, you don't have to be mean back. That, that's only going to cause you trouble. Just learn how to have an attitude of forgiveness or release and let go. And that, that's basically the, the way to return to, to full spiritual origin, like to act spiritually in a physical body. Mr. Peter Woodbury, MSW, really great interview, great analysis um, on behalf of Edgar Casey with his teachings, and it was just, it's just fascinating. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, and to learn more about Mr. Woodbury, please go to edgarcasey.org forward slash, forward slash Peter Woodbury. Peter, we look forward to having you back again soon. Thank you. Welcoming back to the program is Mr. Jeff Casper, globally respected energy healer, and metaphysical teacher. You can learn more about Mr. Casper and his great works by going to the website at transcodes.com. Mr. Casper, what can you tell us about Jesus on an energetic level based on the realities that you can perceive? 
Well, Jesus was an energy. I mean, obviously he was a great teacher. I mean, you can look at it. I mean, everybody's got a different view on what actually happened and what occurred. Um, and basically, you know, it kind of comes down to what what you're doing at the time. Um, to me, Jesus is an energy that you can align to, the energy that he taught, like any great teacher, is still there, and you can align to that. And sometimes, too, when you do into deep, med- deep meditation or um, journeying, per se, you may see the figure of Jesus, which can be perceived in countless ways. And a lot of times what I see with that is that those are energies that are healing. They can even pull you out of some not-so-great places. Okay. Those energies are there. So what happens is sometimes as you are working and you go through some type of emotional thing or some type of shadow trade or whatever, and your energy drops, sometimes when you open back up to your heart, those energies can come back in. So that's kind of what I see Jesus says. Now, the Christ consciousness is what he taught. That's the energy of his teachings. That's a much higher vibratory level typically than seeing a Jesus figure, in oh, my view. Okay, so the Christ consciousness, that is a frequency that is beyond or even higher than a vibration than he is? Well, I mean, you know, it, typically when you see Jesus coming in in a vision, that's a sign. That's something that's coming up or it's a symbol for yourself. And to try to, to describe that for somebody else, you know, because it can change every single time you see him, you know, and there can be a reason for that. Um, it can be about redemption. It can be about um, healing. It can be about change in life. It can be about letting things go. It can be a lot of things because Jesus taught a lot about forgiveness and change and all that. Um, but the Christ consciousness is an energy of the heart. It is an energy of aligning to higher power, whatever you want to call that. And that comes in when you are working diligently on yourself. And it comes in kind of when you're not always expecting, at least in my view so far. Maybe when I get older, it'll change. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, you mentioned before about people way people are connecting with Christ. Can a person get to, um, say, the true nature or the true essence of Christ through organized religion and through uh, other forms of metaphysical practices? Is there any one set ways? But does, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is this, is that is uh, attaining Christ the true energy of Christ possible through organized religion and through through both through metaphysics? You know, I, I mean, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, they always say. So I think it's possible, but, you know, organized religion, in most of them at least, now I can't speak for all of them because I don't know every single one of them, but there's typically dogmatic views in those, and those are a human's view or a man's view of what spirituality is through a certain person. Uh, who wrote those books and so forth. So is it possible? I guess technically, but typically at some point through religion, you're going to run into the issue of externalization. And that means that, you know, you think you have to go through someone to get to God or higher power or Jesus or whatever your higher belief is. That can be tough with organized religion. But there are things in organized religion that really help you along the path. So I would say it's not a bad way to start. Most people I know that have a good level of consciousness, though, typically at some point back away from that. Did that answer your question? Yes. And another thing I have for yeah. you as well is this. is You mentioned that when you mention the word Jesus or you focus on the energy, it could potentially pull you out of a uh, negative place. So what I question is that regardless if you are uh, Catholic, regardless of what your religious affiliation is, if you have no religious affiliation – just by mentioning the words Jesus and just by focusing on the energy of Christ, is that a universally um, 
I guess, accepted form of high vibration frequency? Is it a universal lifeline yes. that's available to all human beings, regardless of what position they Absolutely. are in life? Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's definitely it's like any high, highly um, attuned teacher, you know, Jesus Christ. Obviously, regardless again of what you believe that could happen, he had some amazing teachings. So, by aligning to that, by aligning to that softness, by aligning to that light, yes, there are times. That's that's what a lot of times pulls you out of those things is you surrender over to that higher power within, which is within you as well as when it's in the teaching. So. What a lot of times people forget is that, or not forget or they don't see it, is that regardless of what your higher power is, most major religions and most major beliefs, Jesus, God, whatever, they're omnipotent, they're omnipresent. That means they're everywhere, and you're part of that, and they're part of you. So by aligning to that, what you're doing is saying, changing. I'm not going to align to whatever energy state I'm in right now, which may be guilt or shame or fear or any lower level you're going to align to something higher. And in doing that, what occurs is you change right there. And the more you do that is the more those kind of things can come into your life. Okay. And this is just a, I don't know, call it a random question. Have you ever been able to, I guess, get an, get a feeling for about the evolution of Christ's spirit? Because obviously there's a lot of historical relic record of him being in the physical reality, physically in the physical world. Has the spirit gone beyond and is going into the fourth, fifth, or sixth different dimensions and evolving his spirit, or has he reached the point where he is a total master and his evolution has uh, con- concluded? Um, that's a great question. I, I don't know the full answer to that because, you know, obviously he, again, regardless of what you believe, you know, he was obviously an entity or a being that lived here at some point, and he had a life, and he had a um, legally essential. Um, and he went on. So likely because of the high level of consciousness that he had and because he had teachings that were beyond his time, there's probably a pretty good chance he went on. Um, But the karma of what he chooses to do with that, that's totally his energy. And he may not be key, it may just be an energy now, I don't know. So it's one of those things where the Christ consciousness is a consciousness that is in multiple teachings, but we normally label it that because it's the most common one. Um, So I think that... You know, we're not stuck to this form. So since his level is that high, I, to me, I think that probably is somebody that it would be challenging to say because the energy I see sometimes or feel or experience when at, at those states, it's more of an energy other than a being or entity. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And So he could have gone on and gone on to, you know, he could have had multiple lives. It's very possible. Um, he may also just have expended past that. Okay, well, and expanded into energy. All right. Mr. Jeff Casper, metaphysical teacher, energy healer. I can learn more about him by going to his website at transcodes.com. Mr. Casper, always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much for being with us. Definitely. Today. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is Mr. Brandon West, the founder and head writer of ProjectGlobalAwakening.com. Mr. West, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, Ryan. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Now, you've written a, a lot of interesting perspectives. You've actually shared several articles on your site about Jesus that uh, present him in a metaphysical type ma- manner. I was wondering if you can uh, discuss some of the articles about Jesus and how would you gauge Jesus in a metaphysical manner? Well, 
my most popular one on Jesus and the one that I, I was most inspired to write was to uh, look at him in a new light um, and try to question uh, people's uh, relationship with God um, and to make it more personal uh, because I think that's what Jesus was going for. Uh, there's a few of his major teachings, uh, three in particular that really impacted me. Uh, three of his quotes was, one, he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And this, to me, uh, signifies more that God is love, because when you feel love within you, you feel God within you. And that, to me, is an important teaching of his. Okay. Now, when you say abide in love within you, is there a difference between love or infatuation? So if you, what is a comparable difference, say, for example, like I have genuine love for a person or I, I genuinely just tend to um, want to engage in a particular activity or engage or, you know, have correspondence with a particular person? Um, well, I would actually regard love as just a, a definition of energy, really, because if you really think about it, emotions are energy and we live in an energetic universe. And the the, the emotion that we call love is akin to the highest vibration that we can feel. We just arbitrarily call it love, but really it's an energy. So when we feel love, we're really tuning into the highest vibration possible that we can achieve. And that, in my opinion, is what expands our consciousness and awakens us to higher consciousness, which we call God. Thus, when we abide in love, we abide in God, and we realize that we are one, and we realize that we're inseparable. Okay. If you look at that one teaching that you just mentioned, and people are truly mm -hmm. abiding in love and it expands. How do you find that that can be, do you feel that that is taught throughout various organized religions throughout the world? Um, I certainly believe it's a fundamental aspect of most religions. But at the same time, I, I think there's a bit of a separation there because it's, it's talked about, et cetera, but it's not emphasized as much as it should have been. Because I, I think that was a core uh, core message of Jesus' teachings, uh, along with another one that's probably my favorite is that uh, one of his one of my favorite quotes is he said, "Is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods," and that that to me is the clearest. Uh, it's you cannot you cannot mix the message in that one really, because he's he's saying literally that you are gods, that we are all gods, and that we all have that same potential within us. Okay, so do you feel that, with that being said, do you feel that that's not emphasized? Uh, sorry, let me restart where we rephrase the, uh, the question again. When, if you take that message that you just relayed, the lesson, and you apply it to modern-day society, do you feel that if people really took it to heart that there would be no reason to have any kind of social hierarchy within, uh, you know, within worshiping God? Um, I think I'm certain that that would be the case, simply because as soon as people start to look within themselves for that divinity, and, and as soon as they start to look within others for that divinity, then automatically we're going to start to see each other in a new relationship. We're going to treat each other different, and we're going to see that we're all equal. We may all be different on the outside. We may have different talents, different passions, et cetera. But at our core, we have the same the same divinity, and I think that would uh, bring a lot of changes, not in not just in religion, but in society itself and in all our human relations and interactions. Okay. And what was the third lesson? 
the third one is uh, the kingdom of God is within you. Very, very common quote, or very popular quote, I should say. And that to me, like the kingdom of God, that's the kingdom of God is the place where God resides. And if God was, and it's basically saying that God is within you. All three of those quotes are pretty much saying the same thing in different words from different aspects, but ultimately those, in my opinion, are the core teachings. Okay, so you have these three beautiful core teachings that you just explained. Are there any major contradictions that you see between what is presented in those three teachings and compared to what is being, I guess, accepted as mainstream within most organized religions when they talk about Jesus? Hmm. Well, to be honest, I think the, the biggest uh, contradiction really is that I think most organized religions teach, well, Christianity in, in specific, the way I was taught it and the way I've heard many people talk about it is that they believe God is this, uh, as literally a, a man uh, type being who is outside of them and who is watching them, et cetera, and sending them love and blessing them and they can't get anywhere without his grace, if you will. And I, I think uh, these teachings in, in specific, in particular, they have, they totally flip that around and say that God is within you, which means that divinity is within you, and you don't have to pray to it, you don't have to look up to it, you don't have to bow down to it, because it's within you. You just have to express it, you have to find it. And I think that's, uh, that's the major contradiction that I find in organized religion, in my opinion, obviously. Okay. Mr. Brandon West, Really appreciated that interview. That was a really uh, great insight. And to learn more about Mr. West, please go to his website at projectglobalawakening.com. Thank you so much, Mr. West. Thank you very much for having me, Ryan. It's a pleasure. Okay. Joining us now is Richard and Roberta Sutton. Richard is a metaphysical teacher. And you can learn more about him by going to his website at dicksutton.com. Uh, Mr. Suffin has also put out several books and CDs over the years that have helped people heal and discover who they truly are. Also with us is Miss Roberta Suffin. Miss Suffin is a clairvoyant psychic medium. She's also worked with Mr. Suffin many years, and she's also a metaphysical, metaphysical teacher. Welcome both to the show, guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thank you, Ryan, yeah, for having us. Thank you, Ryan. It's nice to talk to you. Too. Okay, what can you guys tell us about your perspectives about Jesus, what you come to know about Jesus? Well, you know, one thing I will tell you is that we work with a lot of clients, and um, any time that the clients come in, Ryan, I can see the spirits that come in with them, and it's always been a surprise to me when several of our clients will come in and they use their guide as Jesus as their spirit guide, and he comes in. He's, uh, you know, there for anybody who asks. So that's the first thing I've noticed about him. And what he's, uh, Roberta, as a medium for the uh, everybody listening, why she can see through in the spirit, the spiritual realms. And so she's actually perceiving him yeah. uh, just as if he were, you know, a regular person sitting in the room. And we've also just called him in, and his presence is complete loving. Um, it's What I think of Jesus is here is a soul that came into 
our lifetime, you know, as a human, to show us the complete balance between good and evil, the complete balance between light and dark. And his presence brought in the complete light, and what came up around him was the complete dark. And we as human beings have the opportunity to learn from his lessons of this um, light and dark, and that's, I think, his basic lesson. That's just very simplistic. But sure. Sure. What was the origins of Jesus? Was he one of many? I mean, other other spirits that were like him, and was he uh, a spirit that decided that he felt it was necessary to uh, come to the 3D world and teach? I'm trying to think. What was his motivation for coming here? And are there other spirits that are like him and like-minded uh, vibration frequency? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would imagine that Buddha would be on. Um, a level uh, with Jesus. I uh, I've studied Buddhism um, as well, and uh, so I have a good. I probably have a better knowledge of Buddhism. But uh, I was raised in the Presbyterian Church, and so I went through the whole Sunday school and uh, have all the background uh, of Jesus. And Roberta and I really are looking, I mean, we're certainly part of the New Age. There's no doubt about that. But we also uh, value what uh, different ministers would have to say and so on. So we listen to different people, um, and, and they share their ideas of Christ and uh we certainly don't agree with all of those, but I gain a lot of knowledge from uh, some of the ministers that are available. So I see them as um, just uh, sparks of light, but I am of the belief that this whole Earth cycle that we're on, you know, the reincarnation and everything, was very much pre-planned. And so I think that we have to have sparks of light, like Jesus, right? teachers that will come in and infuse us and and you know we all as light people need to have cheerleaders because i'm not a cheerleader but you know it's difficult it's very difficult down here to be bombarded i mean if we have a hundred people four of those hundred are going to be bad and those four out of a hundred are causing all the headaches and heartaches and you know everything so most of us are, are good but we're not forceful good, you know, like the dark side is forceful. So it takes yeah. good masters to come in and, and uplift us. But I think Jesus was um, different in that he was going to affect the whole world, and you could say that about him, his teachings, whether you are a believer of his or you're not, you still know about him. You still know about the Bible. I mean, he reverberates throughout the world. Certainly, my God, yes. So, uh, and in his teachings, I I could not find any fault with the teachings, uh, Ryan. You know, the um, if you I could find have problems with the church per se, and the church is many many different religions, of course, um, that would you know profess to. Uh, be teaching the word of Jesus. And uh, 
So that's a very different story than accepting Jesus uh, because his teachings were very pure. Exactly, and that's what I'm talking about, how he brought in, as his soul, he brought in the um, way for us to look at the light and dark. I would say that after he came with these beautiful messages of truth and clarity, there was an organization that came up that yeah. you know, overtook it, and that's the dark side. And so, as a, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I have to really wait out what I see as his words versus what you know others have given him credit for. He was, you know, he studied with the Essenes, and the Essenes are very close to uh, modern-day metaphysics. Yeah, and the Hermetics. And Hermetics, and uh, so, you know, I feel even closer um, to the teachings that, uh, that that he would he shares, I know, because some of his words are very much the Essene teachings. So it's uh, that I see as part of the New Age. So it gets very convoluted, Ron, but uh, he's a good guy. I would say guy. that. <laughs> Do you guys and want... he does come in. Go ahead. I say, do you guys find it particularly interesting that, uh, Mr. Suffin, you say that you know, you've been a metaphysician, Buddhist, you've been practicing all these uh, spiritual beliefs for so long, and you come across the teachings of Jesus Christ, and you say that you don't have a single problem with it. Do you find it particularly interesting right. that for a person that has these beautiful teachings that you know would appear to be universally accepted by all, and then you think about the church or the church that was founded in his name, there seem to be... You know, there seem to be some positives to it. A lot of people seem to, to love going to church. A lot of good people seem to want to go to church on a regular basis. But it also has an emotional reaction or impacts people from the negative. A lot of people disdain the church. Why do you – I'll ask you both. Why do you particularly find that uh, a foundation or an organization that can be founded upon Jesus Christ would elicit any kind of negative emotions for anyone? Well, that's – that goes back to what I say about Jesus coming in to teach all of us the difference between good and bad, light and dark. And all those, like I said, you know, 96 out of 100 people are very good people, and they're coming to hear the word of Jesus. And they're coming to the church because that's the organized, um, you know, uh, where they can go to, to study him. So... I think that you've got really good people with really good ideas, but I think that those that take over and look for power, you know, and control are the what makes it the negative. And then a lot of people, good people, Ryan, can see the truth in life. You know, they can deny it, uh, but they can see it. And they know instinctively that's what we were given as, you know, good souls here on earth. We were given our instincts. And so you can tell those that are rejecting the church might be rejecting the dark side of the church where there is greed and control. Um, so that's what I would say in response. Yeah, and the dark side would include all of the uh, attempts at control and uh, even in uh, the priests and what they have done to many of the uh, 
the parishioners that came, I mean, there's been a huge abuse problem. And that, but, but you can take that all the way back to where, you know, they were yeah. killing people. Yeah. And if they didn't believe exactly what the you know, doctrine of the new Christian church was. Everybody has to remember Jesus was not Christian. Yeah. yeah. That came along later. What if, say, for example, somebody is looking for the truth of Jesus and they're trying to get it through the church, but something isn't right or that it's not settling well, but yet they don't want to leave. Why do you feel that the church, you know, wants to keep people in there? Like, what is the purpose of the church having people and keeping people and and putting any kind of fear out for that matter? What would be the reason for it? Well, the minute it's institutionalized, now it needs a great deal of money and uh, is used to have a lot different uh, power structure because the church ruled the world as such, uh, especially the Catholic Church. And that has changed a great deal over the years. But if you go back to the time of Henry VIII, and he was trying to start a new religion, my God, they were uh, they were certainly trying to stop him by any means possible. An institution must support, first of all, the institution. And uh, so... How do they do that? Well, they do it with fear. And uh, Plus, they tell their, their flock that um, they have the communication directly to God, and so that the flock must come to them. That's right. And so that's setting up a layer between God and Jesus and the, the rest of the population. Yeah. And they uh, then that makes them dependent on the church. They have to get everything from the church for their soul, which uh, Jesus preached just the opposite. It all starts within you. But you can't, you know, make money or control people with that message. No. So in a nutshell, look at the institution and the idea of the institution uh, selling Jesus as such. That's their product. Right, I want to ask you both, from what you've come to know and realize about Jesus through your own uh, experiences, through your own teachings, how, what is the primary difference between um, what you find who Jesus is, metaphysically speaking, and to what he's being portrayed in as the church? And do you feel that people who are going to the church, are they getting an appropriate education? Are they getting at least 50 or 60% of the true realization of who Jesus is? Or do you feel that the church, in many ways, is teaching um, things completely contradictory to what Jesus' true teachings were? Well, I'm sure there's contradiction built in there. But, uh, I, you know, I wouldn't want to say people shouldn't be going to church because they want to be able to feel and express their uh, their love of Christ in uh, in, the, in regard to the Christian church um, and any other church it's it's uh, a feeling of camaraderie and it's a feeling of uh, touching the literally touching the religion um, but the church is the numbers are falling away, Ryan. The, uh, so many more people now are saying they're spiritual, but they are not religious. 
Well, being spiritual but not religious is what this is all, what we're talking about, exactly what we're talking about. They feel spiritual. They embrace the teachings of Jesus or Buddha or any of the other um, masters, but they're not religious in the sense of belonging to a uh, specific religion. And so that's why the numbers are changing. People are still finding um, their spiritual nurturing, but they're finding it themselves. In what places, persons, or events do you see the Christ consciousness resonating strongly with? So, say for example, somebody truly wants to engage this other side of Christ, what are some of the places and uh, locations or practices that they can do to facilitate or, or to engage this uh, type of Christ consciousness? Well, that's easy because people think it's a lot harder than it is, Ryan. It's easy. You pray and ask Jesus to come in, and he's right there. And when he comes in, I will say, when I see spirits, they are, you know, come in different um, thicknesses. <laughs> Those that have just crossed over, you know, and have a deep emotional attachment, so are coming in, you know, like, almost like a solid. Yeah, solid. That's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus, and then the, the spirits that come in um, are, are, you know, whispery or, you know, they kind of see through. And then angels will come in, Ryan, with, it's like their core is so brilliantly white. It's glowing like a golden glow. And a lot of times I can't see an angel's face. Jesus is that way, too. Jesus comes in glowing so brightly, and it's like from the core. And all you need to do to have him come in is, is ask him. Ask. It's yeah. that simple. And yeah. there's a lot of people that don't trust the communication they have with spirit, mainly because, you know, you can't see it. You don't want to act like, you know, oh, I, I see dead people or I talk to dead people. But, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, there's a stigma <laughs> Yeah. You know, like I'm crazy, and for many years I thought I was, and thank God for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm telling you, I'm seeing them, and they are there, and they come. All you have to do is ask. So if you want to know more about Jesus, you just say, Jesus, come in, and he's there. It's an amazing, the, the soul itself is something that I think is worth studying, Ryan, because it is an amazing, amazing uh, creation from God. What is the, what's the difference between, if you are a devout Christian and you're part of a church, what is the difference between the Christ that you call in to you and the Christ if you're not a part of religion? Does Christ appear in a different form? Because what if you have ingrained in your subconscious that Jesus is going to come and he's going to judge me and he's got to have all these rules? Um, because that's how you've been brought up. So does the light of Christ appear universally in the same energy resonance to all people? Or, again, does he come in based on the person's belief patterns that they've allowed to seep into their subconscious about who they think Christ is? Well, I have, I'll go back to my answer where uh, Jesus came in to show us light and dark. And so if you are studying under the church, you're still getting Jesus coming into you. It's the same soul. But... It's the same spirit of Jesus. But if you are clouding it with, you know, the crucifixion and all of the negativity that happens and that 
darkness, you're, you're clouding the true light that's coming in with Jesus. That's my interpretation. If you come in, I think those that are, as Richard calls, self-actualized can see above all the negativity and get the pure light. But they're still getting the same spirit of Jesus, whether you're praying and going through a church. But in my opinion, I think when you go that route with him, you're bringing in negativity. But you're bringing in negativity for lessons for you. It's not bad. We all seem to learn through pain, unbelievably, or yeah, hard, but, yeah. I mean, we have an opportunity to live through love and learn through love, but a lot of us um, choose the hard route. But if you're doing that through a church, you're still getting the spirit, but you're bringing in lessons of the dark. And I wouldn't accept the teachings that you have to be born again, that only through some preacher um, saying words over you at the front of the church that can you access Jesus. That's just ridiculous. Christ is available to everyone, anyone. I think what his words were, um, you have to think, when he's preached about being born again, what he is teaching is to look through your life through different eyes, through the eyes of God, through the eyes of love versus the eyes of the dark side. I think that's what Jesus is teaching of being born again. And that can come through. Jesus' words were so powerful and loving. They do come through, even though they've been changed by the church over time. Mr. Sutton, Mr. Richard Sutton, Ms. Roberta Sutton, that was a fantastic analysis and interview. Thank you so much for you both being with us today. And to learn more about these two lovely individuals, please go to Dick Sutton, D-I-C-K-S-U-T-P-H-E-N dot O-R-G. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Thank you, Ryan. Hey, Hey, joining us now is globally respected psychic medium and owner of Envision Crystal Metaphysical Store in New York, Miss Lisa McGarity. You can learn more about Miss McGarity by going to her website at lisamcgarity.com. Or Envision Crystal, that's E N V I S I O N Crystal.com. Ms. McGarity, what can you tell us about your perspectives and insights on Jesus? It's so great to hear from you tonight, Ryan. So we're discussing Jesus the Christ. That's right. Yeah. I really, you know, I've been an admirer of Jesus since I was a child. My parents were not particularly religious, so we didn't go to church or. You know, I, I did some rudimentary uh, Catholic CCD classes. If anyone's grown up Catholic, they know about those. Um, and so my exposure to Jesus was really kind of what I could read and experience about him spiritually. And I really came to some amazing conclusions at a young age, but of course I kept them private when I was a child in terms of what, I, what I've learned from direct spiritual contact with Jesus. And I do believe he came here to help humanity evolve our own spiritual ability to raise the dead, heal the sick, and be better beings on planet Earth. That's that's really what I feel his mission was and still is to this day. Okay. So some of the things, like, do you feel that he came here from a, a different dimension? We see somebody that had uh, previous lifetimes on Earth? Well, yes, I am a firm believer in reincarnation, and I don't think that Jesus came, the soul of Jesus arrived 
on planet Earth for the first time as the Jesus we hear about. I do believe he had many previous incarnations and lived both as a great teacher and a great man and lived as a more, more humble, regular man and made many mistakes along the way. Okay. As somebody with your abilities and your sensitivities, when you are in the presence of Jesus or the, the Jesus Christ type of spirit, how does his spirit differ from other uh, beings you may have been in contact with? Like, how do you know it's Jesus? And is there any visualizations you can possibly describe? Well, I actually had a vision of Jesus when I was a very young child, and that image has stayed with me throughout my lifetime. Although today I would never call myself Christian. I don't necessarily associate with any particular Christian church, but I do love Jesus. I always see him appearing to me with brilliant, beautiful blue eyes and the long hair that we see so often in art. But what I feel from him is the most important part. It's not how he looks or how he appears. It's really the energy that comes from him, which is the, the purest love I've ever been able to, um, you know, feel or sense or experience while on planet Earth. There are many other spirits, angels, deities, divinities, but he has a special compassion for human beings because he has lived as a human being. And so his understanding of us and his compassion for us, it's just a measure. Okay, and when people describe the Christ consciousness, is there a way you can articulate that a little bit more? I mean, is it is it is a Christ consciousness a the idea of connecting with Christ spirit, or is a Christ consciousness a frequency of vibration that human humans attain when they become pure, when they become wholesome, or when they become light? I definitely feel the Christ consciousness is inside each and every human being. And that was his message when he was here. He he taught his followers, you can do the same things I'm doing. You know, the kingdom of God is within you. He made the message very, very clear. But, of course, when he walked the earth, his, his followers, his, his disciples didn't exactly understand what he was intimating. But within each and every human being is a power. And only maybe recently... Are we becoming? We are beginning to open up to that power and evolve that power. So the Christ consciousness includes love. It includes unconditional love, compassion for other people's suffering, and it includes the understanding that we're creators too, and we can create good things on this planet right here and right now. Okay. That's what it's really all about. Uh, Mr. Lisa McGarry, that was a real beautiful analysis and insight on Jesus. Thank you so much. And to learn more about Ms. McGarity, please go to her website at lisamcgarity.com. And also, if you wish to check out the number one metaphysical store in the world, check out envisioncrystal.com. They've got an incredible selection of uh, tools that will help you manifest anything you wish in this physical life incarnation. Thank you so much, Ms. McGarity. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now. Is globally respected psychic medium and metaphysical teacher, Miss Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about Miss O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about the life and spirit of Jesus Christ? The life and spirit of Jesus Christ in a nutshell, he came into this earth as an evolved being. And it doesn't mean, Ryan, that he hasn't had his struggles. Some people are in the belief that he um, 
kind of glided through life and everything was really easy. He had his own human moments. He had his own time of being angry. He showed me this image of him having, it almost looks like a brat attack, and him misusing his power and like burning down a temple, you know? So, and, and he was totally an ego. And so he did, that human aspect of him did have those human experiences. But when he really started stepping into anchoring in more of that energy of his divine aspect, the healing aspect, it really allowed him to be in this world and not of it. And I know I say this story a lot, but it really changed my life. When I was seven years old, I was raised Catholic. I saw beings and spirits since I could remember. And he showed, and I was being raised Catholic, I was starting to really question things. And when it was a pivotal point in my growing up where the Catholicism church was really starting to put on a lot of, um, restrictive energies and scaring us. And, and I remember this, the nun was holding this book of the, um, of the Mose, of the, um, Noah's Ark of the energy of sinking. Jesus came in and said, that's not quite the way that happened. And I looked at the nun and I thought everybody saw Jesus, especially nuns. I mean, he was standing right there. And so I, as a very shy child, I questioned it. I was so mad at him. He was laughing because the nun really got, she threw the book at me, literally said, who do you, I think you think you are challenging the book of the holy book. And the, a lot of the holy book doesn't contain really what Jesus's life was about. He was here to teach us love. He was here to go down, uh, go out of, um, go beyond duality. He showed me a disco ball and he said, this is you. This is everybody. And what he simply described was that every single mirror is an aspect of us. We're multidimensional beings. We are part of the creator source energy. Then he changed his hand and he said, he put the same ball in his other hand. He goes, this is God as a disco ball. And he said, I'm showing you this as an example of how interconnected we are. We are so interconnected with the mountains, with the trees, with each other. We can't be separate. Every single mirror represents a, a soul, a multidimensional soul. And that was very simple for a seven-year-old to understand. So Jesus's message is, I see it rising up to into people's uh, consciousness and really looking beyond the rules that we learned and what we're taught in, in different um, teachings, that his message was really, really simple. All master's messages are simple when you get down to the basics of it. He came here to teach us unconditional love, to remind us that we can do it too and more. And the biggest message that he was giving us, and especially this lifetime, for us to go beyond duality, to be in this world, to embrace our physical body, have wonderful relationships, good food, sex, all of it. And that's not unholy at all. Have physical experiences come from the heart, but be not of duality, man-made rules that keeps you separate. And, and that's what the, that's in a nutshell. So I just want to re-remind our listeners who aren't fully aware of Carrie's capabilities that Carrie's been very visual since yeah. she was a girl and she would actually see auras around trees and animals and she would see people that most people wouldn't observe as there. So you see you know, Jesus would talk to you. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things I love when you, you, we've had conversations about Jesus before is that you said he wasn't this perfect type person where everything he did – wasn't exactly perfect that he he could at one time he could be he could be funny he yep. could be um he could be a less than enjoyable person to be around so I was wondering if you could uh, share some of those aspects about him that most people uh, aren't aware of. 
Uh, well, he could be a stand-up comedian. I swear to God, he has a very good sense of humor because he's he's living from a different perspective. He sees beyond duality and the human experience. And part of sometimes he saw the human experience as very funny. And sometimes it's like when people. I had this one client that was uh, she lost her mother at a very young age, and she was um, very very pissed off. But she was also raised in a very uh, born again Christian, and she wasn't allowed to question losing the mom. And he came into a reading so strong, and he was encouraging her. He he showed me him on the cross, and he looked all bloody and stuff. And then he popped off of it, and he pointed and he put, started breaking apart the cross and made it into a fire. And he goes. I want her and everybody, humanity, to get off this cross, get off of the thought pattern that life has to do with suffering and sacrifice, and that's what I tapped into. I want them to remember to have fun, take this light and lighten up, and that means literally, you know, to have fun, to have great um, communication and, and um, heart centered experiences with other people. So he had a very good sense of humor. And again, he showed me times when he was even jealous. I saw Mary Magdalene. He always called her his wife or spouse. And he showed me one time where there was one guy around that was a very um, wealthy person. He was very, he looked like a Hercules Adonis, very good looking guy. And he experienced this um, enragement and jealousy, right? So, and we don't read those in the books about jealous experiences. We don't even read that he has a wife because that's against the, the grain. It keeps him holier, I guess, without the wife. But he, he ha did have partnerships. He did have children. He wanted to embrace the, the physical experience in all those, di in every different aspect. And that does mean having physical relationships, having uh, children and, and those experiences bring us more opportunities of understanding love, right? All right, from what you've observed, Jesus, do you feel that he was above other people? I mean, did he feel like he, did he feel like he had like, um, was like a chosen person or the chosen one in his mind? had a humbleness, Ryan, that, again, his teachings, he always tried to encourage people, you could do this too and more, right? So he didn't put himself in the guru posture. He didn't want to be in the guru posture. He knew he had to take that front stage to get to the information out, but he didn't take himself that serious. He was easily ready to, um, to go backstage is what I say. He was flexible enough to not be the spotlight so the apostles or people that were in a circle that knew the truth could continue to spread the word. It wasn't about his word. He didn't take ownership of it. He points to other masters, Buddha, Krishna, the, the ancient masters that were saying the same thing. So there was a, there's a real humbleness and he doesn't want to be raised up like he's higher than anybody else. He was able to embody and embrace his God self and anchor into the physical body. And we all can do that. If you ever found who Jesus was in a previous life incarnation, who he was? Yeah, I mean, did, have you were able to observe that? Did he have any previous lifetimes? Or did he just come in to I be Jesus and was, leave? Let's just say the Jesus energy signature has walked the earth before in the, with the Buddhic energy. Okay. It looks to me, what I was taught again at a young age, that there's. Uh, when we get into the multidimensional selves, right, there's in the more we are living in that multidimensional space, he came, he, he, he's around the Buddha energy. So does that mean he was Buddha? Well, he definitely has a lot of the energy of Buddha. He could have even been one of Buddha's guides is what he just showed me. And I'm also seeing teachers that at walk the earth that people, they're not written in the history books because he did work very private, very shamanic, helped heal the earth grids and all that stuff. 
and he had lifetimes as that, as a very humble man that did profound shifting. Actually, that was the lifetime before he came in for him to pre prepare the earth for his arrival. It just shows me it's like working on the earth grizzly, um, loosen up the density so he can uh, allow for him to have an easier way to embody and embrace his essence. When we get in this physical body and zip up and we forget who we are, it's he came in with a zipper more than halfway down, especially over the heart. So he came in here. You could say his high, his frequency was a thousand, and most people walk around as a hundred. And that in other lifetimes, he came in where again I see him in the beginning of the stage, and I see him back in the stage. He also shows me a lifetime with him in ancient Greek Greece, where. I, he's more of an actor and a writer and a playwright. And so he worked with creative energies there. He also shows, shows me his ear cut off. So in that lifetime, everything wasn't always um, cheery. He experienced that on purpose for him to understand what it feels like to be in a physical body, have such connection to creative energy. When he acted, he brought that um, energy in, the creator energy that made him feel so big and alive. And then when he put, stepped out of it, it was a huge, um, like being disconnected from a, a powerhouse and feeling like your electricity goes way down. So th that was pre preparing him, a lifetime of preparation to get him into the physical body. Has Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, returned to earth since his time as an as a human being? I'm not seeing that going back to the earth grids or the Buddha grids or the, let's just say the Christ consciousness energy. And that looks like a energy signature that represents like the creator source energy. And he says right now it's not the time for him. He could get more work done by entering into um, guiding people and acting like a guide or he just showed this huge door opening so he helps people anchor in. A lot of people could get confused by that, and I know of uh, Stuart Weil used to talk about this one um, person that he was studying with when he was um, studying the Tao, and the guy had this great big awakening, and he thought he was the embodiment of, of Jesus, and he jumped out the window because he thought he could fly, and he died, right? And so I'm using that as an example because that guy, he felt Jesus, you could say, behind him, guiding him, so he was very much connected to the energy of the Christ consciousness, and that is very, uh, uh, it's mind-blowing, but he wasn't, he didn't embody and embrace in that individual. So he will step, walk in the earth, but when the earth is a lot, way beyond duality right now, okay. we have to get beyond the stage. Jesus' life, him and the physical body, I guess, is concluded, but it, you look at his spirit, mm -hmm. like engage the essence of his spirit in the other dimensions. What is his spirit like? Is he of a uh, of the highest being, one of the higher beings in these other dimensions? And yeah. if so, what is uh, the purpose of his spirit right now? What has he been up to? What is he currently uh, doing? He continues his message out of physical body. And when he, when he first came in with me, Ryan, I saw him as Jesus, like the, we were taught in catechism, what he looked like, right? As I developed a, a knowing, as I matured, I understood Jesus as um, he would, he comes in as geometric figures in a lot of tubes and he could really expand his energy across the universe. That's Jesus, right? That's his essence, his soul, his higher self. 
And so when I look at his energy, what he's, he's doing now, he's in that expanded state, that Christ consciousness energy that is connected to all of us. And so he's helping humanity go beyond our restrictive energy to remember that we are all part of the creator source energy to go back to love, to get out of being divided. He just shows me to be a person like split. Almost like he says humanity has like bipolar energy, if not, um, schizophrenia in a way i'm watching three faces of eve so he recognizes and so he's still working with people he has his hand in it that's what he did in many many lifetimes he came in for to help people wake up to remember who they are and it gives him much joy even those times when we really forget who we are he's he's not attached to it it's much more of a a universal love that has no agendas no um, it's not like a scar scorecard. You did this. He sees beyond sin and just even having him have those codes in his energy field. That is where I see keys go out to individuals. And when we connect to the energy, those keys unlock us from holding patterns. And so he's handing out a lot of keys from his heart. We take those keys in. We unlock ourselves from those dimensions that are restricted and that helps enlighten us and raise our vibration literally we could do healing of the hands we could we could see the earth really how it is where i my sight is not anything special that's how the earth is in her highest forms where the trees do talk you could hear the wind you could listen to rocks it's that's part of the real reality and what as he's invested in us waking up to be able to Commune with the trees, the rock people, the mountains, and feel the energy that is again, the creator force, God force energy within everything and everybody. Excellent. Ms. Carrie O'Connor, I'll tell you what, that was a very in-depth and interesting interview about Jesus. So thank you so much. I really You're hope, welcome. I really hope that people enjoy that. To learn more about Ms. Carrie O'Connor, please go to our website. At CarrieOConnor.com. Thank you so much, Mr. O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. Always my pleasure. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our astrologer, Ms. Constance Stellas. To learn more about Ms. Stellas by going to her website at ConstanceStellas.com. Ms. Stellas, what can you tell us about Jesus? Well, um, as I just said to you, Ryan, if you do an internet search, he is the second most clicked upon man. I have no idea who is first and the third celebrity. So there's still a great interest in um, the historical Jesus. Historical is how scholars refer to the actual man who lived rather than the symbol uh, and the, the um, originator of uh, Christianity. I think uh, the best way to go about this is to say that probably there have been 12 different birth dates and charts for uh, Jesus, that everyone thinks, no, he's a Capricorn, no, he's a this, no, he's a that, and almost all the signs of the zodiacs have been suggested. Um, there's also a lot of research that has been done about the star of Bethlehem, which did exist, and can we find evidence of that through um, uh, astrology records? I mean, when I say records, we know throughout time when there are, are eclipses because they are regular, and that is a, a fact today. So 
there is one date which is January 7th, 6 BC. Another date is January 8th. Another is uh, August 22. Another is February 18th. So you see there's a lot of questions. When we say that Christ was born or Jesus was born on December 25th, um, that seems to be a, a correspondence with the star of Bethlehem, but not necessarily his actual birth. One very good astrologer has made a very good point that his birth date seems to be March 1st, 6 BC, and he has done what's called rectified for 6.25 a.m. in Bethlehem, which still exists. You can visit it, Bethlehem, Israel. And the reason this seems to be a, a resonant chart is that Christ has always been called in astrological circles the Piscean Master, Pisces. The age of Pisces is the long epoch that we have. We are just concluding as we move into the age of Aquarius. The Piscean epoch is um, sacrifice, faith without question, um, prayer, meditation, and preparation for the life to come. That is the theme. The Aquarian age is quite different. If we look at the chart from March 1st, 6 BC, and it's neat, on a computer you can calculate it in an instant, we see the sun in Pisces, the moon in Pisces, Saturn in Pisces, Venus in Pisces, Jupiter, and Uranus. So, and uh, also at that time period, Pisces rising. So this is a Pisces, Pisces, Pisces chart. The hallmarks of a Pisces individual uh, can be martyrdom, sacrifice, great compassion, and great um, sensitivity to all creatures. So uh, for that reason, I would go with March 1, uh, 6 BC, with the idea that, you know, I'm not going to be, um, Jesus Christ isn't going to call me up on the phone and say, look, is this a good day for me to uh, <laughs> buy my house? So we're dealing with an essence here. And the essence of Pisces is very, very um, um, rem resonant with, with this chart. Um, we also see the um, two planets, Mars and Pluto, in the, planet, uh, in the sign of Virgo. And that, again, speaks to service and sacrifice. So I think that dealing with a man who really moved the earth from point A to point B, B.C. to A.D., um, we have images and essences that um, inform us, but I don't know if they actually document his actual birth in um, an actual day and time. And last question is, how do you feel Jesus is in terms of being a historically relevant individual? I think that 
the birth of Christ and the subsequent development of Christianity was the great equalizing spiritual event of the ancient world that carried through to relatively recently. We're in a different age now. By equalizing, I mean that the Christian, the follower of Christ's philosophy, with the, the philosophy of turn the other cheek, the New Testament, as opposed to the wrath of the Old Testament God, moved us forward in terms of the um, sacrosanct um, of, of the individual and um, the collective watching out for your neighbor uh, with everyone on equal footing. So the Christian king and the Christian um, uh, barmaid were Christians and their souls had equal importance in the spiritual realm. Uh, when you get down to the realm of men and women and how we grasp and want and move forward, it is perhaps uh, a different struggle. But the philosophy of Christianity was um, one before God. And the, the mythology or the fact of Jesus coming to earth, being born, having flesh and blood that suffered, it's a horrible story, that crucifixion. You can't even really think about it, but it did happen and suffered and died as a way of expiating for the sins of man is an example that had not ever uh, um, occurred before. And that opened a new door in terms of everyone's participation in a spiritual life. Ms. Tellis, you just mentioned that the era of Jesus ushered in a, I guess, an evolutionary growth spurt for humanity. What yes, do you see yes. coming up? Is there anything else coming up that's going to be as significant as um, the period? Sure, okay. but quite different. How will it be quite different? different? Because um, the, the uh, religion of Christianity, of following Christ's teaching, emphasized faith, and emphasized mediaries to help you achieve faith, clergy, priests, um, holy men, holy women. Um, the age of Aquarius is much more uh, individual recognition of, let's say, the divine in each person. I'm not saying each person has Christ in them. That's, that's a, a little bit of a different emphasis. But it's, it's curious, actually. Aquarius is the sign of group um, consciousness. But yet we have a great um, emphasis on individual freedom and expression. And that also cannot be um, too extreme because we have a planet with many, many people fighting for resources and needing to cooperate on a global sphere. And this isn't only economics, this is spiritually as well. So let's take the Internet. The Internet is a vast network of connection between people with wonderful um, ability to connect people and also a lot of harm can come from it. 
but the the um, so the technology has become fused with our sensibilities, and individuals will be the people who are going to make a difference rather than one master or two masters. Okay, now we're moving towards a more egalitarian spiritual consciousness. So is this happening, astrologically speaking, regardless of? whether or not people step up or not, regardless of whether or not people take initiatives to accelerate this faster. Is this sort of like the trajectory that is occurring? Um, yeah, for sure it is. Okay. Sure it is. Sure it is. I mean, um, there always will be people who are in the vanguard. Uh, but, um, um, I mean, it's nothing more complicated than going with the, the, the current flow. It, there's certain things that everybody recognizes is just the way it is. And so yes, it's happening. I mean, you can you can accelerate your own evolution, sure, but a lot of people aren't interested in that. Miss Constance Stellis, thank you so much for that great and thorough and challenging analysis on Jesus. And to learn more about Miss Constance Stellis, please go to her website at constancestellis.com. Thank you so much, Miss Stellis. You are welcome. You are welcome. Joining us now is globally respected psychic medium, Miss Lisa Kaza. To learn more about Miss Kaza by going to her website at lisakaza.com. Miss Kaza, what can you tell us about Jesus Christ? Well, the very first thing I'm going to say, I'm going to get it get it out there right off the bat, was Jesus real. Yes, he was. He was actually a real person. A regular person though just like me and you and all our listeners who's just a regular joe however he did have huge amounts of wisdom and he was definitely the most powerful healer that we've come across back in well especially back in those days he was a definite healer but what i i, I don't um particularly agree with is how the Bible has has idolized him to such an extent, and I'll tell you why. It's I love Jesus very much, actually. I, I'm not religious, but I love the man of who he was and what he went through. He had quite the the difficult life, and the thing is that wherever he went, he was looked upon or, or treated as weird or an outsider or, you know, the best way to describe it is, you know, uh, you know, when we're in high school and you get the, the bullies, well, you get you get the um, the nerds and, and the outsiders like that, so, and people sort of just, you know, ooh, he's strange, uh, stay away from him. Unfortunately, this is really what was going on in Jesus' life. He was, and this is the way that he was treated, you know, because of his beliefs, because of the words that he was trying to, to put out there, his teachings, and he was just looked down upon. But, and I've seen this throughout the years, like with different people that I've heard that have passed away, you know, people that are, you know, kind of the same thing where they were looked at as weird or didn't have too many friends or, you know, being that of an outsider. And then upon their passing, all of a sudden you have all of these mourners weeping for them and, you know, crying out for them. Oh, he's such a great guy. And, oh, it's such a shame that he's passed on. And 
all of a sudden it's just like a total 360 in terms of, of attitude towards the person, and I hate that. And unfortunately, this is what's happened with, with Jesus. It's kind of the same thing. All of a sudden, he's, he's, he's idolized all of a sudden. And I don't agree with that. I don't like that. Very dishonest. Um, you know, if you, you wanted to idolize him, why did you not idolize him but during his that life? Isn't like the common you know? theme for most people when they pass? Everyone, you know, they said, yeah, oh, that guy's such a jerk. Then when they go, oh, you know, we, 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 we had our differences and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, of course. What uh, makes this particular, what makes the thing with Jesus the exception to the rule. I mean, isn't what he went through and you know, the way people acted when he passed, is that not the same thing? Are you saying that, well, wait, let me ask you this. Are you saying that the people who wrote the Bible or presented the Bible maybe really did not love him as much until after he passed? That Yes, okay. exactly. Exactly. And um, I don't know if, if this is down in the States or not, but here in Canada, this is just very recent. There's apparently a new uh, special coming on TV in the next week or two. And I even hate the title of this show. It's called Killing Jesus. And in this show, like it's trying to uh, outline Jesus's life and, uh, you know, what happened to him and everything else. And there is this one part that really catches my eye. And it had something to do with Apparently, the Roman Catholic Church was, was established even back in his day. Apparently. The Roman Catholic Church? Really? Yeah, apparently. Uh, I didn't know this, but apparently there, there was. And it, it was something along the lines of, I, I remember hearing this phrase in, in, this, in this clip where it goes, if we can prove that uh, uh, Jesus um, can overthrow the Roman Catholic Church, then we must be rid of him. And that brought on the crucifixion. Now I don't know the truth, like the truth to this. Like, uh, of course, it's a TV series that's coming on, but it really struck a chord with me, and I just found it quite ironic that here we are doing the show about Jesus all of a sudden, and this coming on. So I think, you know, divinely speaking, it was trying to show me that I was right, basically, that you know he, he did have this outsider type of a life. And he wasn't all that well-liked until after his passing, even within the Roman Catholic Church, um, I believe, that, or, or even the Jew-Jewish, for that matter. It, it all turned when upon his passing. Was she, was she yeah. actually crucified? That I really yes. Sure? And did he die? That did, did happen. He, did, he return? Did, he, was the, did he return from the dead? Yes, as a spirit, though. He wasn't a full-body person. He was a spirit, I, and I do believe that it was um, Mary that had, had seen him uh, in spirit form, not, not physical body. And this is, again, another embellishment that the Bible tries to put out there to us, that he had risen from the dead physically. Well, no, that, that didn't happen. But he did rise as a spirit, and it's been well documented throughout history as well as today, the amount of spirits that roam the earth all the time. Some people see them, some people don't. Wow, this is this is it's the same thing uh Jesus was well in layman's terms he was a ghost. Now, 
but he was people seen. are seeing him. What does the spirit have to do, or what oscillation of vibrational frequency does the spirit have to be on in order for it to be seen by people who are may not even open to the idea of seeing a ghost or an apparition? Um, how much energy and force do you need as a spirit in order to present yourself and to be visually available to people of all levels of you know, vibration on the earth? That I can't really answer, Ryan. I don't know the answer to that. It, all I do know is that it, a lot. It takes a lot of energy. That's why, you know, for just regular home hauntings, like in my home here, uh, I've never seen them. I've never seen any full-bodied apparitions, but once in a while, they'll like to, you know, play with my mind, and they'll, you know, flicker the lights. Or this one time, the shower decided to turn on all by itself. Thank you very much. Or, you know, little things like that. That in itself takes a lot of energy. So for them to manifest as a full-body apparition, tremendous, tremendous amounts of energy. And it is rare, I would have to say. In my experience, it's been I, I have not ever seen a full-body apparition. There was one thing before I started coughing there. There was one thing I wanted to say um, was that, like, it was... Um, I was going to say that Jesus is, you know, like I said, a regular guy, just like every single one of us. You know, we're spirits uh, having a, a human experience. And he was exactly the same. So in having a, a human experience, well, we all have particular life lessons to, to realize and to learn. And for him, uh, I felt that uh, a lesson that he needed to really solidify within his spirit was that of releasing anger and forgiveness and unconditional love yes he preached it but he also needed to learn it so throughout the course of his life like it because it, you know he was under a lot of stress and realized when a person is under so much stress and you know he, he you know he turned the other cheek so to speak when people would tease him or, or you know chive him or or whatever he'd try to ignore it but in the subconscious, he pushed that in the back of his subconscious. And what happens is that it builds up and builds up and builds up over time. And then finally, a person can only take so much before they ultimately blow. And so I see many occasions where Jesus has actually done this, where, you know, there are many angry type of outbursts from him. But like I said, it's due to that, that pent-up energy and, and the emotion associated with all those repressed feelings of, of his experiences. So that's, but that's within his learning. He learned, but he also taught. Miss Lisa Kaza, that was a beautiful and very insightful analysis on Jesus. And to learn more about Miss Kaza, please go to our website at Lisa. Thank you so much, Ms. Kaza. Oh, true pleasure. Thank you. Right now, we are going to present a brief interview with a channeled spirit named Chung Fu. And if you've listened to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth radio show before, you know that Mr. Fu um, is coming through Sally Pullinger. And according to our uh, virtues, our team, they say that Chung Fu is one of the highest vibrating spirits they've ever come in contact with. So Chung Fu is relaying from the dimension that he's in what his perspectives are on Jesus. And I feel that Mr. Fu offers a unique perspective that you won't get anywhere else. 
So now we are going to go right to that interview with Mr. Chung Fu talking about Jesus. And we'd like to know if there's a possibility, if we can ask you on what your perspective is on Jesus Christ. Did Jesus, was Jesus um, a regular person? Was he um, an elevated being that arrived here from a, from a higher dimension, like a fifth or sixth dimension? And also when it comes to Christ, how, what was the greater meaning of his life? What, what purpose did his life serve for greater humanity? Peace. Well, that is a jam-packed, solid <laughs> question you managed to deliver there, dear brother. All right. So I take it a little at a time as best I can. Uh, Yesu, Yeshua, or Jesus, or the Nazarene, as I often call him, is definitely a soul, a being who has had many incarnations and into whom the Christ energy has come a number of times. The Christ energy came into Yeshua, Yeshua, or Yesu, or the Nazarene, uh, came in. He was uh, known to be coming in. Many lineages uh, lay behind him. And in a sense, there was a, a line through which he entered in at that time in history. And uh, the purpose of, uh, of that life was to, uh, to bring in the direct relationship with God, to actually remove the, uh, the blockage that had happened in the people's minds that they did not have a direct relationship to their mother, father, God. They had to uh, do all sorts of things to get into God's good books or to, um, you know, they, they had to do things that, that, that uh, Yeshua came in to, to clean the slate, to say, look, it's just, look at me. Look at me. Here I am and here is God. This is it. You and God. That's it. Y you need to get back to the basics get back to goodness, get back to just being yourself and connecting with the, the Father, Mother, God. And so his whole message was about faith, was about prayer, was about goodness, about being your own master, about coming in, being present, taking responsibility, not throwing the blame on a neighbor, not creating war, conflict, taking responsibility. During the course of his ministry, however, people were very skeptical. People needed signs. They had been taught that, you know, God wasn't something sort of just friendly you could wake up in the morning to. God was this fearsome being in the, you know, in the skies who threw thunderbolts and, 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 and was a really scary character, you know, the great God of wrath that had been created there. Yahweh. And so when, when, when it came to it, they, they needed some proof that God was sort of on their side and would do good things and, and, and kind things to little people and poor people. And, and they need a lot of persuading. And so uh, 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 Yeshua asked for, uh, he, he came along in his ministry. He realized, started to realize he had to be a bit of a showman. He, he had to do things. He had to make things happen. And he did a lot of preparation of himself to become someone who could basically uh, create impressions, work miracles, do healings that were not just little healings, big healings, raising Lazarus, you know, actually things that would, would impress because he, he was there to really make a difference. It was, 
He was passionate for him. He came from a lineage he was expected to. He had within him an enormous calling and a sense of duty to his ancestors. He was an initiate. He went through all the very rigorous training that was uh, in his lineage. And he was very much connected to Isis and to the ancient deities, to the ones who were... Who, who really set up all, if you like, religions uh, as they were upon the earth. But things were in great confusion. So he came simply to say, look, there, where you stand upon the earth, right there, but you can use me if you like, because, you know, I realize you've all been taught that it can only happen through someone else. So, you know, use me. You don't know that I'm going to actually disappear any minute, but you can use me, and you can use my name, because I know the rules and I know the law and I am completely and utterly devoted to the divine. So I give myself in service to humanity to have, a, in a sense, a bridge in your mind. And, and that was what he said to people is be yourself, be there on the earth and open up to love and it will be there for you. However, of course, he was a great threat and it became a bit of a political matter. And he knew that was going to happen, and it was the last thing, really. That was the hardest part for him uh, as he came to that point in his ministry where he knew all the enactment was going to have to happen, that he was going to have to do the what he prepared himself for through a lot of deep initiation, which was uh, he was going to have to appear to die 100% upon the cross. As far as he was concerned, he didn't know about that bit. In his humanity, he wasn't sure he could do that bit. He he called out there because he 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 thought he was going to die. Now, to all intents and purposes, and history says, and you know, all the accounts say he died, and they tested it, and he 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 was dead as far as all the authorities were concerned. He was taken uh, to the tomb, but he was not actually technically dead. He was alive. And so then all the techniques, which were, again, very advanced for what you could call the raising of the dead, but what was the bringing back to, to, to life from, from near death, uh, these were all used, all the herbs, all the embalmings, the prayers, everything, that there were large communities of people praying at that time for him uh, to in that sense, come back to life. He was uh, everything that happened after that point. Uh, well, a lot of it, I think, is probably uh, coming through now into the hearts and minds of people to realize it wasn't as simple as all that. He appeared to people, and actually he was bilocating by then already because he was rapidly taken out of that land by very secret uh, means. He was... Uh, he left that land, and and his beloved with him, Mary Magdalena, Maria Magdalena. And so the story goes on from there. But this part I say to you, because you asked about his purpose, and his purpose was to say to people, you too, you too can do this. I'm showing you something. I'm telling you there is no limit to the power of the divine within you. And really, uh, he comes back into your world through uh, many different transmissions, uh, including ourselves, to explain uh, about what happened in his life 
and why it was so and what the true purpose was. And so here we are, D1. I, I just leave you there for a moment to see where you are with your question. Sure. I know it, it's a really great answer. And I'm just kind of curious. He said um, Jesus was a threat in his time to the establishment or the people that are out there. I'm curious to know if Jesus right now would be even a threat to his own church and because he's so – if you think about the simplicity of what he was saying oh. – he certainly would, dear one. He certainly would be uh, in a very strong uh, – it's not even would. It, it is a fact that the Christ energy is coming in now and causing great upheavals in the church. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. I, I can For see example, it. <laughs> Christ energy is very strong with the present pope. So the Christ energy is very strong. So the, um, you think that this this pope, you think he's, he's – is he one of the closest popes aligned to the Christ energy? He is feeling the Christ presence very strongly. He gets direct transmissions, and he knows what he has to do, and he does it. Okay. He turns the church inside out daily. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Um, okay, that was, that was pretty amazing. I, I'm really thankful for that uh, great insight on, on Jesus. And you can learn more about Mr. Fu by going to his website at deepsoulconnection.com. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guest roster for all the great insight and analysis on Jesus. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening.